Welcome to From Cover to Cover, a podcast that serves to accompany both classical and contemporary works of literature for those who are more on the audio-visual learner side. Hello, welcome to our next recording. This chapter is called Notes, and it's the 14th chapter of the things they carried. Very interesting. So now let's talk about, go right into a summary of the chapter. So basically, in this chapter, uh, O'Brien, as the narrator once again, reflects on the story that was told by um, Bowker. So apparently, Bowker is a soldier that hung himself three years after the story was written. And Bowker actually suggested to O'Brien that he should tell the story of Bowker. So Bowker, he had the story, like, you know, the last chapter claimed, that he wanted to tell, but he didn't know how to tell it. So he asked O'Brien, and he said, like, O'Brien, I trust you to tell my story in the best way that you can, in the best way possible. So O'Brien did this. He made a few drafts of a potential chapter that came to become Speaking of Courage. and. Um, there was a lot of drafts on the way. Backward didn't like some drafts. Backward did like some drafts. It was just a lot of planning in the stages. And um, in this chapter, O'Brien reflects on what's true and what's not true in the fictional story that is confirmed to be speaking of courage. So, put some more context into that story. In the spring of 1975, um, O'Brien did receive a letter from Bowker saying that he was really struggling to adapt to normal life. And in fact, Bowker dropped out of community college and spent his day kind of doing tedious, repetitive, non-meaningful things. Or So yeah, so that's what he believed that he was feeling about the items that he was doing. And um, O'Brien decides to incorporate a lot of this content in the letters into the story that he rewrote about Bowker's life. Or the story that he wanted to tell, at least. And um, yeah, so... It was a consensus between these two men that O'Brien should release a story about every veteran who served with them in the Vietnam War. Because O'Brien feels like he lost, I mean, Bowker feels like he lost so much in the Vietnam War that he died in Vietnam and that he cannot adapt to daily life back in America. And um, O'Brien indicates the theme explicitly by saying that um, talking about the war has allowed O'Brien to move on quicker from being in the war. Like, he felt like, O'Brien felt like he had an easier time adjusting to the war than, like, Bowker and other soldiers because he was able to find a outlet, and that outlet for him was writing. So that was a great outlet. And he was able to cope with uh, the traumatic of war much more easily with this um, process of writing. So, um, in this book, O'Brien really does clarify that Norman's mother received a suicide letter from Norman before he committed suicide. Um, he also says that Norman is not responsible for Kiowa's death and that there's no such thing as a silver star. So either no such thing as a silver star badge or just that there was no such thing as um, Bauer being close to getting a silver star badge. So now let's start, um, let's start analyzing this chapter based on the questions that are provided. The question that I'm going to choose is how valid is the assertion that literature is a voice for the oppressed? Now, once again, like I said that 
in a previous episode, I talked about how there's not really a lot of oppressed groups here. You don't really t- encounter many minority groups besides the Vietnamese, who the Vietnamese population and the native Vietnamese are not truly expressed because this book is written in the perspective of an American soldier. So no way can the Vietnamese ex- Vietnamese perspective truly be expressed. However, this does tackle on the perspective of one oppressed group, especially during the Vietnam War, and that is the veterans' perspective. And we hear so much about veteran homelessness, PTSD, trauma, mental disease, drug abuse in the veteran groups. And if you think about it, in situations that are so traumatic like war, like this, we can definitely see why this has to happen. Why why veterans have to suffer so much, not only during the war, but after the war. So, and then during the Vietnam War, there was a lot of uh, discrimination and just contempt against the the American veterans that came home from war, which I believe is super unreasonable since the whole reason that that these American men were drafted into the Vietnam War in the first place is because they were in a draft. They were, first of all, not volunteering to go. They were drafted to go to, as a part of American political agenda. So hating on the veterans is misplaced anger and misplaced blame for the atrocities that happened in Vietnam. But, tangent aside, how, is liter- how valid is the assertion that literature is the voice for the oppressed? In this case, our oppressed voice is Norman. Norman is a soldier that couldn't adapt back into the every back into regular life in America. Norman is the voice of the thousands of the hundreds of thousands of soldiers that have come home from war with PTSD. Um, PTSD leading them to maybe um, being unable to integrate back into their regular home lives or suffering from long-term mental illness or drug abuse or homelessness all these different types of things they're all reasons for um why veterans may not be the most vocally supported as other groups so this is definitely an oppressed group that's being represented here and um so something that's very powerful with this chapter is it talks directly about storytelling and norman and O'Brien are both similar in the fact that they have stories that they want to tell, especially about the Vietnam War. They cannot forget their stories. They need to tell their stories. O'Brien symbolizes this in all of his exchanges with his daughter, with us, the audience, through this book. Norman, unfortunately, expresses it through O'Brien when uh, he can no longer adapt to being in the real world, when he feels like his life has no meaning in the real world. Then he sends a letter to O'Brien saying, hey, I want my story to be told too. And that's what O'Brien does. He attempts to tell the story Norman has to tell. which talks about Kiowa and survivor's guilt, basically, and being unable to adapt to a quote-unquote normal society after being thrown in such a traumatic place and just feeling like no one can listen to your story. So I think that this way of voicing um, Norman's story through O'Brien's to the things they carried novel is super powerful because it allows a different soldier to get his perspective out. This is basically all that the things they carried is. It's a collection of stories that are not necessarily all written by O'Brien. It highlights other soldiers too. Other soldiers that are real and they have names. They're probably people that O'Brien actually encountered. He's telling their stories. A Vietnamese girl, he's telling their stories. So 
this assertion that literature is a voice for the oppressed is extremely strong because it gives sympathy and it builds empathy for readers who may not understand what it is like to go through a war, to be coming home as a veteran in a war that's truly traumatic, of being in the scene where danger was always happening and you always had something going on. This experience was truly something that O'Brien successfully conveyed to readers through the way that he descript, described his stories, through the way that he formatted them, through the way that he presented them in his narration, through the storytelling of other people, through the imagery, through the breaking of the fourth wall, all of these different types of things. O'Brien tells a real strong story about not only having these veterans tell their stories, but encouraging the audience, encouraging us to continue telling these stories after the original um, experiencers of these stories are gone. So I think this is a very powerful book for this quote. Okay, for the next question, I'm going to attempt to answer um, what writing techniques does the author use to evoke an emotional response in the reader? So this chapter is interesting in the fact that it's literal commentary on the chapter before it. So um, the chapter before talked about Norman's experience as a soldier and his inability to adapt to uh, American life after being in the war in Vietnam. And, you know, uh, it tells Norman's story, his entire story, basically from his perspective, since O'Brien, the narrator, isn't really an active part of the story at all. He's more of like a spectator in any way, or he just doesn't have an active role in it. But his role comes back in this chapter, where he actually talks about the entire experience leading up to him writing that story. And it's very interesting in a way, kind of like a summary, not a summary, but like a reflection on a different chapter, a different person's story, because we get to see exactly what happened in the mind of storytelling. I think it's super interesting, especially since the book is all about storytelling and the way that storytelling is so effective and how storytelling can still be effective even if, um, and just going back to it, uh, Having this idea and this aspect of reflecting on another person's story really gives both stories a very powerful effect by giving a background insight to the storytelling process. And this allows the readers, like as a reader, I really sympathized with Norman even more after I read this story about how I read that he needs to get this story told. So if I didn't understand it for whatever reason the last chapter, I understand now the urgency and the necessity at which these stories need to be told in order for soldiers to truly be able to move on and get their message across. So the story was very effective. This method of writing was especially effective at um, relaying the theme and the overall purpose of this chapter. The next question to talk about is, um, which social groups are omitted from a text and what might this reflect about its production? So I'm touching this up on previous chapters already, but it's very clear that this book is about the Vietnam War, but it's not incorporating any Vietnamese perspective. There's no character from Vietnam who truly has a speaking role and like a main role in the story besides like okay like there's a girl who dances but she never speaks she never gets a chance to share her story we just get to see the soldiers reactions to her actions and amongst the pagoda not even their interactions are detailed we just mostly detail the interactions of the soldiers that reacted to them of Dobbins and of yeah so 
why is there why is it that these Vietnamese people don't get a voice? Why is it that no one else besides honestly like white like Caucasian white men get a role in the story? And it's kind of it just talks about I don't think the intention of the story was to be in any form culturally exclusive, but it comes out to be this way, honestly, especially when you're writing about a story in which there are el cultural elements. And then it's kind of like, honestly, what I kind of saw it as is a white savior com complex. It was pretty large in this in this book. Um, so especially when in The Monks and the Pagoda, especially with Henry Dobbins, uh, when Henry Dobbins was defending that girl who was dancing, or when Henry Dobbins was, a, was attempting to embrace the monks and the pagodas, besides the clear cultural differences that the author makes very clear that the cultural differences are on the side of the Vietnamese monks, not the Americans, when in reality, both are equally culturally strange, strange, quote unquote, to the other. So to the Vietnamese monks, we Americans and their culture is extremely strange. So in this way, this white savior complex where um, the American soldiers were embracing the culture and talking about how there was cultural homogeny and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, to this extent, I would say that it is a book that's written in the veteran perspective. So the goal here is not to talk about um, cultural distinctions and not really to talk about um, Woman, because women were also a group that was extremely excluded in the text as well. Yeah, the goal is not to do that. But I think that just the way that it was written, there could have been more insight on Vietnamese civilians. Especially if like you are an American soldier, you must have encountered and had like more meaningful encounters with Vietnamese, I'd hope. So it's just that type of thing where there's just not enough social exclusion. And yeah, it's understandable because this book is written by an American veteran who doesn't truthfully understand Vietnamese tradition and culture. That's why he does acknowledge that he doesn't understand, but he also doesn't make an attempt to understand it either, which I guess he can't, but still, just the fact that this exclusion was so prevalent and the only perspective of the Vietnam War was the American soldier, no Vietnamese people, was something to be noting of.